Welcome everyone to Moving River Ministries. It is Sunday, February 6th, and um, we are so thankful that you all are joining us this morning on, we're so thankful that all of you are joining us on Facebook and those of you who are joining us via conference line, we thank God for you and we are just going to now open our service with prayer um, the message this morning is going to be the door, which is Christ Jesus. Praise God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We come before you with thanksgiving, and we just appreciate so much, my God, who you are to us. Everything, oh God, that you are to us. We thank you, Lord, for all of those that are with us this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for blessing us to be in the right frame of mind, to have the right heart. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to speak the words of life in which thou hast given us. Bless us to speak words of love to each other and to those, my God, that we encounter throughout our journey here in this earth. We thank you, Lord, for blessing the message this morning as it comes forth. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing being upon it. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, my God. For even as the messenger, my Lord, I thank you that I be in the right frame of mind, have the right heart, and my Lord, be a receiver of the message in which I hear this morning that we all may take the message, O oh God, apply it to our lives and live and be a greater example of what your gospel is truly all about, what salvation is truly all about, and what your love brings about in our life for all the world to see your glory, all the world to behold your honor, not that we get any honor, but that you receive all honor, glory, and thy power, my God, is yours forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So the door, which is Christ Jesus, and I'll tell you a little bit what I'm going to be talking about this morning. You know, God truly has created us to be instruments and marvels of change, instruments in his hand. You know, and as a pastor, a servant and teacher, I don't just want to preach about all the things being possible with God, but this morning I hope to come to equip you and help others experience the true knowledge of God, how he works through man in all walks of life, in the varying fields of education, history, science, culture, and even politics. God is always proving his omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. God has revealed through Jesus Christ what man thinks, can, and does will influence man's brain, his body, and his spiritual and physical life. You know, we truly have arrived at a time in life when it's not enough just to know God's word. 
It really is time for us to know how to apply God's word so that we truly can be the instruments and marvels of change in which he has created us to be. So that we can daily be renewed in our minds and we can open our hearts to be receivers and to be givers of that which we have received. So today we're going to be talking about the, the door. And Christ Jesus is that door. We're going to talk about who opens the door. What happens when we open the door. What hap and how to open the door. When to open the door. Why open the door. Where is the door. So in all actuality, we're going to talk about the instruction, authority, and experience. And we talked about experience a little bit last week as well with the message, not a secret anymore. And we learned that patience really does bring about experience. Praise God. So let us turn in our Bibles this morning to Job chapter 22. And we're going to look at verse 28 as our opening scripture this morning. Again, that is Job chapter 22 and verse 28. And in Job 22 and 28, as you turn there, it talks about a decree. You know, and um, before I read that verse of scripture, you know, the definition of a decree is a statement of what to do that must be obeyed by those concerned. It is a statement of what to do that must be obeyed by those concerned. And the question is asked at times, can man decree a thing and that thing in, that he decrees, can it take shape and actually then take place? So a statement of what to do that must be obeyed by those concerned. It is also a commandment, a directive, some synonyms with decree, and instruction, an order, or a charge. Praise God. And oftentimes uh, when I marry people, there is a charge at the beginning of the ceremony, and it charges both the man and the woman about to get married about the instructions that are related to a marriage. So now Job chapter 22 and verse 28 says this, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. And you know, that falls right in line with the definition of decree, a statement of what to do that must be obeyed by those concerned. Now, if man can decree a thing, because in Job 22, it says, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. So if man can decree a thing, and that thing begin to take shape, and actually then take place, as the word says, it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. So a decree is an order publicly issued by an authority. Do we have authority to decree a thing? Praise God. And so in talking about the door, which is Christ Jesus, I just want to bring some um, attention to where that door is, and that is the inner door. Christ Jesus is the inner door that opens the external doors in our lives. The spiritual opens the, men, 
opens the mental doors, opens the physical and then the natural doors. And in Psalms chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, we're going to pay particular attention to those two verses of Scripture, 7 and 9. But I'm going to read the chapter of Psalms chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And that again is Psalms chapter 2. And it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Verse 7 I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said it unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are they, are all they that put their trust in him. Amen. Praise God. And in this passage of scripture, as we focus on verses 7 and 9, I read again, verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Verse 9 says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Praise God. Now, when we look at a door, and, and I'm going to come back to those verses of Scripture as in, in verses 7 and 9. When we look at a door, there are many doors that we go through through life, many doors that present themselves unto us. And, you know, as we pass through life throughout our days here in this world, we're going to go to stores. Stores have doors. Workplaces have doors. Homes, hospitals have doors. Entertainment facilities have doors. Buildings of all sorts have doors. Churches have doors. You know, and so we get an opportunity to go through all these many doors. But do you know that a door at one time did not even exist? But someone had to mentally construct a door in their mind before it could physically appear. So all these many doors that we can see today and go through, there is something that we desire on the other side of that door, which keeps us out of that thing that we desire until we open the door. Somebody's got to open the door. And that somebody is going to be you. 
When you walk into a grocery store, there's a reason why you come to that grocery store. In your mind, you now have come to the realization, I need some food. <laughs> and I don't have the food that I want behind the door that I currently am in. So I have to go through another door in order to get the food that I want. When you want money and you have a job, you can't sit at home and expect to get paid. You've got to go through that door of the workplace in order to perform the job that you have so that you can then have the experience that you want to have with having that money. When you are at, when you want to get home, if you just get to your house and stand outside the door, you're not getting inside. You've got to open that door in order to go into the home to experience the home that you now have. When you are sick, and you know you need the care of a doctor, if your arm has been cut off, I am telling you, don't you stand there and just pray. Get yourself to the doctor. Go to the hospital, but you've got to enter the door of the hospital in order to get the treatment that you want that is behind that door. When you desire to be entertained, and you know, some people go to different um, things to be entertained, whether it's a football game, basketball game, whether you're going to see um, your team play a hockey game, whether you're going to a concert of some sort, you know, wherever that entertainment is, whatever that entertain, you've got to get in the door in order to get that entertainment, in order to experience what is behind that door. When you come to church, if you just stand outside the church, you are not going to get the experience of being in church if you just stand outside the door. You've got to come into the church, praise God. So, you know, I'm going to be talking, as February is Black History Month, and, and oftentimes in, in um, my years of preaching, and when it comes to the month of February, I'd like to bring some uh, enlightening history and facts in regards to black history that maybe some of us know. We just need to be reminded about it. Or maybe these are some things that we don't know. Today, I'm going to be talking about someone in black history that I had no clue even existed. But I'm going to be bringing him to our attention. You know, and this is a man uh, who experienced slavery. And But he continued to knock at the door of freedom. Yes. He continued to knock on that door of freedom because he wanted to be released. He wanted to get into the door of freedom. He was tired of being a captive, praise God. And you know, there was a really good ending to his story, but it's not completely a happy ending. But it does show how through persistence of knocking on a door, how in persistence of wanting that which is rightfully yours, praise God, will come to pass if we persist. If we follow the instruction, if we decree a thing, and again, a decree, can man decree a thing and have it come to pass? If we keep uh, persistently uh 
pursuing that which we know that is right, that which we know that is good, that which we know that is beneficial, it will come to pass. Just as we knock on any of those doors or enter any of those doors, when we go to the store, we enter that door. When we have money in our pockets, in our purses, we know that we can buy the food that we want. But we have to persist in doing that. Yeah, that is something very simple. But if we can understand that which is simple, we can begin to understand that the simple technique, that simple thing that we apply to that something that we can understand, it can be used for something else too that may seem a bit more difficult, but it's the same simple approach. Praise God. Going through that door. Praise God. So how do you open the door? You need instruction. Who's going to open the, th open the door? The one that has the authority to open the door is the one that opens the door. You can't open the door to a store if you don't have a key. But once the person in authority unlocks that door, now you can go through the door. Why do you want to open the door? This is so important. The why that you want to open the door. Because you want to experience what is behind that door. You want that experience. And sometimes it's going to take patience in order to have that experience of what is behind that door. And now having said that, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 20. Again, it's the inner door that opens the external door, the spiritual, the mental door that opens the physical and the natural door. And in Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20, it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And now if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. <clears throat> John chapter 10. <clears throat> Still talking about the inner door that opens the external door, the spiritual door, the mental door, which opens the physical and the natural door. And in John chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 9, it says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Praise God. In Revelations 3 and 20, we read that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And if any man hear his voice and open the door, he will come in and will sup with him and he with me, with Jesus. He stands at the door and he is the door. Praise God. Let me tell you, anything that happens in the spiritual, it is because of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Uh, the Holy Spirit causes us to have the thoughts that we have. 
you know, and behold, Jesus is standing at the door and he is knocking. Now, whose door is he knocking on? Whose door is Jesus knocking on? Because he's knocking at that door, but Jesus is the door. It can be confusing at times. If he's the door and he's knocking on the door, whose door is he knocking at? And this is where we need to understand that I am that I am. As Moses talked about when Jesus, when he asked God, well, who shall I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am have sent you. You tell them that. That is my name forever. I am. Now, <laughs> if I ask you, who are you? And you begin the sentence with, I am brother so-and-so. I am sister so-and-so. I am, and you begin to just say your name. You are saying that I am. Just like Jesus said, I am the door. Now, if Jesus is one with God, can somebody say amen? amen. Is Jesus amen. one with God? Somebody say, yes, he is. If Jesus says, I am the door, and Jesus is one with God, then God is saying, I am the door. If Jesus is one with God, and Jesus is God, and he says, I stand at the door, that is God standing at the door, that is Jesus who is standing at the door, that is Jesus the door, that is God the door. Now, if you are one with Jesus, say amen. amen. If you are one with Jesus, then that makes you one with God. Say amen. amen. Now, we know the scripture says that, and these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said that he and his father were one, but the father is greater than he. Somebody say amen. The Father is always going to be greater. Just because we are one with him, we do not put ourselves on the same equality with God. Can somebody say amen? amen. Praise God. But we are still one with him. So if it is God standing at the door, if it is Jesus standing at the door, if it is um, Jesus who is the door and God who is the door and we are the door. Somebody say amen. 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 Now y'all got to stay with me this morning. Stay with me this morning. If we are one with Jesus, we're one with God. And if they are the door and they are standing at the door, we are standing at the door and we are the door. None of the doors in life that exist have come about without the uh, assistance of God because God has put the thought and the creativity in every man that has ever built any kind of door. The spiritual, the mental has existed before that physical door ever came into being. Praise God. So any of these doors that we want to go into, that we want to enter into, we have to realize that we are standing at the door and that we are the door. But we have to open that door. We have to now decree that door to be opened unto us. 
We have to decree that door to be opened unto us. Going back to Psalms chapter 2 and verse 7, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me. What did he say unto me? I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Now, I talked about what we're looking for really is instruction. Do we get instruction from the word of God? Yes, we do. What is the instruction? Hear, hear my voice and open the door. Why? Why do we want to do that? Because we want to experience Jesus. We want to have that experience of being with him. Who has the authority to open the door? We do. We certainly have the authority to open that door. What gives us the authority to open the door? You know, it, in the scripture, it talks about in my father's house are many mansions. And a mansion signifies really that there are many rooms. I mean, if you got a mansion, you got to only imagine that there are many rooms up in that mansion. I have never seen a one room mansion. But in that, in that mansion, there are many rooms. And some um, scripture and some Bible versions actually say it as rooms and not mansion. In my father's house are many rooms. That's what they refer to it as. In um, the King James Version, in John chapter 14 and verse 2, and again, that's John chapter 14 and verse 2. For those of you who are either writing down the scriptures or turning there in your Bibles, in John 14 and 2, it says it this way. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So in, in, the, in the house of God are many mansions. If we are one with Jesus and Jesus is one with God, that means in our, and we are all one, that means in our house there are many mansions too. We got to recognize that these things that belong to Jesus belong to us. We are inheritors of everything that Jesus inherited. Praise God. And so we are the temple of God. Jesus is the door, yet he stands at the door and knocks, but he never forces his way in the door. He never forces his way in the door. You know, I'm going to be talking about... Uh, black history in just a moment here. But as we look at that verse of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? You know, that is such an important scripture for us to acknowledge, become aware of. Because if we are, and we need to remain aware of it, we can experience the awareness of that, you know, one time. But if we do not remain aware of that particular scripture, knowing that we are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in us, the spirit of God, God is a spirit. He is, he is nothing more than that, but he is all that. And because of his holiness, because of his spirit that created 
everything. It is so big, so large. All the energy in the world is because of his spirit. And all of mankind gets to experience the spirit of God, the power of God. Now, we all get to experience, but when we go back to, you know, Psalms chapter 2, it says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. My God, they're using the power of God in a wrong and evil way, but they're still using they're still using the power of God. The enemy himself, the devil, uses the power of God. But he uses it wrongly. He uses it. He, he took it and he abused it. And now it is filled with hate and rage. And he has enmity against God. And so therefore he has enmity against us. And so... We are not going to prevent people from using the, the power of God in a wrong way. We are not going to stop the heathen from raging. We are not going to stop people from imagining a vain thing. You know, my wife had a uh, very disturbing dream about a whole lot of destruction taking place. And I've had dreams of the same sort, about things just being destroyed all around us. You know, and because of those things, we, we come to the realization we are not going to stop people from imagining vain things. If somebody is thinking about planting a bomb somewhere today, we cannot stop that from happening in their vain imaginations. But what we have the power to do, oh, glory to God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit is open doors of love, open doors of peace, praise God, open doors of goodness this morning. We can open the doors of love and our hearts just be filled with so much gratitude and thanksgiving. Praise. Is there anything greater than the power of love? No. Absolutely no. not. No. Absolutely not. And good will trump evil time after time after time after time. You know, good, good overcomes evil always. Praise God. So that is what we need to focus on. Don't focus on the negative things. Don't focus on what someone else is imagining. You know, vain things, raging things, setting themselves and taking counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. Don't even bring it into our imaginations, but our imaginations need to be set on the good things of God, coming in, supping with him, being with him, hearing his voice and opening those doors to all the things that I just made mention of this morning. Praise God. The door is Christ Jesus. Praise God. See, it is what we have an urge for. The urge for what one thinks is behind the door is what causes us to open the door. The urge the desire 
For what one thinks is behind that door is what causes us to open that door. So I, I use the example. You know, we have an urge, we have a desire for groceries because maybe we might be out of groceries in our house. And so we know that there is a door, a store, a grocery store that has the things that we want. But it is the urge for those things. If you don't have an urge for those things, you don't go open that door. If you have a urge, a desire, you know, something that has happened in your life, you know, maybe you got a, a sore foot and you got a, a, a bubble or something on your foot, you, you know you need to get to a pharmacy or something and get the proper treatment for your foot. So you go and you get the treatment for your foot. You might need to go to a doctor and, you know, get his diagnosis of what is going on with your foot. But until you do that, until the urge presents itself, you no need for you to go to the doctor. No need for you to go to the pharmacy. No need for you to open those doors. Praise God. But the urge, the desire, oh, for what? is in that church what's going on in that church you gotta have an urge or a desire for what is going on behind that door and that is what is going to cause that door to open unto you See, you got to have an urge or desire for Jesus in order for that door to open unto you. See, you got to stand at the door and knock. That urge or desire is that knocking that is taking place at that door. Are you knocking on the door of Jesus this morning? I see you got to be one with Jesus standing at the door. You got to be one with Jesus knocking at the door. Praise God. And you got to realize that you are the door. You're the one that opens that that door. You are the one that opens that door. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I hope and I pray that I'm able to bring clarity, a little more clarity to the door this morning. And I want to share a story with you in regards to Black History Month. And the story, and you're going to find uh, those of you who are online joining us this morning, you're going to see the links to that story being um, put on the screen right now. But I'm going to read the story. And it's titled, 40, 40 Years a Slave. And it's... It is the extraordinary tale of an African prince who was stolen from his kingdom. His name was Abdul Rahman Ibrahim Ibn Sori. He was West African royalty before he was enslaved on a Mississippi plantation. And it says after shackled, After a shackled journey across the Atlantic, Abdul was desperate to make the man about to purchase him, who was Thomas Foster, understand his terrible mistake. Sori had arrived in Natchez, Mississippi after being kidnapped by enemy troops in 1788 in his native Fauta de Jayon in what is now Guinea. 
The powerful royal was sold to slave traders for a few muskets and rum at the height of the global slave trade when an estimated 80,000 Africans were being captured, chained, and shipped across the Atlantic Ocean every year. Despite the scale of the slave trade, Sorry was one of 12.5 million Africans forced from their homes and sold to the New World between 1525 and 1866. Detailed narratives of individuals forced into bondage are limited, particularly of Muslim slaves like Sorry. He is an exception. He was a highly educated aristocrat, his dramatic quest for freedom would eventually catapult him to national celebrity, which means his remarkable life is more documented than most. And what's so astounding about that is though it's more documented than most, first time me hearing about him. Sorry Story is an insight not only into the brutalities of slavery, which undergirded the global economy for generations, but on the way some enslaved people managed to manipulate dire circumstances. In his decades-long battle for liberty, Sori would weave a web of duplicity so dramatic that it would ensnare not just American President Quincy, Quin, John Quincy Adams, but the Sultan of Morocco. Ignoring Sori's protests, Foster marched him, who was his owner, marched him to his frontier homestead in Natchez, Mississippi, which was still Spanish territory at the time. It was a far cry from Timbo, the trading hub where Sori's father had consolidated power in Fata de Jayon. Sori had been educated in Islam and politics in neighboring Tubuktu and was, by the time, he was captured, he, was, he spoke at least five languages wow. and was the head of a 2,000-person army. Sorry was horrified by how primitive and underdeveloped Natchez, Mississippi was. The kingdom of Fata de Jayon was a very sophisticated society, said Hamza Youssef Hassan, an Islamic scholar, in the documentary Prince Among Slaves. This was a period of real intellectual expansion. They had a constitution and they had laws. The slave owner, Foster, made haste with shearing Sori's long hair, a sign of nobility in his native country, and forcing him into vicious manual labor. Refusing to stomach the humiliation, Sori ran. For weeks he survived in dense, unfamiliar terrain. Wanted posters sprung up and slave hunters pursued him to no avail. But eventually, eventually he realized there was no escape. During the isolation of being alone in the wilderness, it dawned on him that he is no longer a prince, he's no longer a warrior, a Muslim... And in the same documentary, it says, from that point onwards, his dignity was based on his ability to master the circumstances that he was in. Praise God. It was also when he realized the return to Fauta de Jayon would not be possible, perhaps ever. Faced with no good options, Sori returned to Foster and set about making himself indispensable to his slave owner. An educated man, Foster grew tobacco and herded cattle. He knew little about cotton, 
a crop of growing consequence in North America. However, his slave Sori did know about cotton because it was grown in his native country. With Sori's help, Foster became one of the region's leading cotton producers. As his plantation swelled, so too did Sori's influence. He became a foreman and met a 25-year-old Isabella, a midwife also enslaved by Foster that Sori would go on to marry. The two had five sons and four daughters, and Sori's relative freedom meant he could grow vegetables and sell them at a local market. One market day in 1807, a chance encounter would once again radically alter Sori's life. Decades earlier, a shipwreck had left a British surgeon named John Cox marooned on the West African shore. He only survived because he was rescued by a group of Falanus who brought him into Timbo. There he met Sori and his family who offered him medical care and friendship over a six-month stay. I'm telling you, doors were being opened all over the place in the history of this man. In a remarkable twist of kismet, Sori ran into Cox at the market where he was hawking vegetables. Cox saw an opportunity not only to write a grave injustice, but to repay his debt to Sori's family. He set about trying to buy his freedom. Foster refused at any cost. The slave owner refused at any cost that this man Cox could buy Sori's freedom. Sori had been with him for nearly two decades at this point, and his knowledge was too valuable for the slave owner Foster to lose. Cox would spend the rest of his life trying to purchase his one-time host liberty. While his efforts were ultimately fruitless, they did get Sori another form of currency, local celebrity. Praise God. And I tell you what, God has an interesting way of working out circumstances if we continue to knock. Knock on that door. You want freedom? Continue to knock on that door. Praise God. You want food? Continue to knock on that door. You want salvation? Continue to knock on that door. Praise God. You want love? Continue to knock on that door. You want peace? Continue to knock on that door. Praise God. Now, word of this fantastical story of chance meetings on either side of the Atlantic spread quickly around town. And when Andrew Marshock, a local newspaper man, heard about it, his interest was piqued. After Marshock found out Sori spoke Arabic, he leapt to the conclusion that Sori was Moroccan. Not wanting to slow his enthusiasm and probably also understanding the American racial hierarchy that placed Moors well above West Africans, Sori chose not to correct him. It would be the first of many strategic evasions Sori would make in the years to come. Praise God, a door opened. Praise God, local celebrity now getting publicity from a newspaper uh, journalist all about his 
history. Praise God. Let me tell you what the word of God, the word of God shows us our history. The word of God opens these doors that have been closed to us. Praise God. Mainly because we haven't been taught that the doors even existed. We don't know the doors that exist, but God is standing at that door and we got to realize that we are that door. We don't know that we are that door. We don't know sometimes that we are standing at our own door and we have the key to unlock that door. But it is a spiritual key that unlocks that door to the mental door, to the physical door that we really want open so that we can experience Jesus in this life that we can set our eyes upon. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> Praise amen. God. I go back to the story. Sorry asked Marsha, the journalist, to help him get a letter to Africa, and the journalist agreed. Sorry took several years, but eventually produced what was likely copied Quran verses. Marsha used them to authenticate Sorry's Moorish origins and attached its own letter expressing Sori's desire to join his relatives in Morocco, which he sent to the United States Consul in Tangler, Tangier, Morocco. Word of Sori's predicament eventually got to the Sultan of Morocco, and from there the news of a captive royal wound its way to the United States government. Worried about diplomatic relations, Secretary of State Henry Clay arranged for Sori's release on February 22, 1828. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to be released this morning. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? Praise God. Somebody is going to experience a release. Praise God. I believe today somebody is going to experience a release from their circumstances, from their situations, praise God, that have held them captive for way too long. But the door, hallelujah, that you want open is being opened right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So slave owner Foster agreed to Sari's release with compensation under one condition, that he be transported directly back to Africa without ever enjoying the privileges of a free man within the United States of America. My God. See, people, when you go back to... When you go back to those verses of scripture in Psalms chapter 2, why do the heathen rage and people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Praise God. You know, people and, and hating Praise God. Again, they are using the same power of God, but they are using it wrongly. They are decreeing in their world, my God, evil. They are decreeing to themselves things now that they must obey. That is why slavery existed for so long. That is why men don't want to see others succeed because they are not willing to do what others are willing to do to go ahead and have those principles of success in their lives. Yes. 
But then they don't want to see them succeed above them, so they want to hold them bound. And if it's slavery that'll keep them bound, that is what they will implement. But praise God, it is time for us to open those doors. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Open those doors and thank God, hallelujah, that he has truly set us free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I go back to the story of Sori, his release from bondage after 40 years. Sori's freedom was imminent, but his wife Isabella and his children were not. His determination to return to Fauta de Jayon was matched by his refusal not to do so without his family. He refused to go back to his native country without his family. Those that he had come now in this uh, world of captivity, he had found love. He had made a family with his wife, praise God, and he did not want to be separated from them. And you know what? That demonstrates to me the love of God for us. Sending his only begotten son that we could now be united with him in salvation and an inheritance, hallelujah, that man cannot give, man cannot take it away, praise God. But he is bound unto us and we are bound unto him this morning, praise God. So as Sori prepared to travel to Washington, D.C., from which he would set sail to Africa, world of his epic grew. Newspapers covered his odyssey and events along his route were planned in his honor. Everywhere he went, word of an, of an enslaved man who could not only read and write but was a skilled orator and claimed to be a Muslim prince drew crowds of shocked and gawking onlook, onlookers. Before he left Natchez, Mississippi, Marshak, the journalist, gifted him a traditional Moroccan costume for the trip, upping the absurdity of his deception. Sori was a showman and planned to use the trip as an opportunity to fundraise for his children's freedom, and a costume could only help. He was quickly able to buy his wife Isabella's freedom, but he had to continue soliciting donations for his children, asking even President John Quincy Adams for funding, which President Adams refused. His story once again caught the attention of an influential figure. This time, Thomas Gallaudet, one of the founders of the American School for the Deaf, he was part of the American Colonization Society who saw Sori as an opportunity to spread Christianity across Africa. Sori also saw an opportunity, the chance to rub shoulders with men with deep pockets. Hmm. Praise God. I tell you, God opens doors, church. Yes, you know, it, despite people using the power of God wrongly, people using the the power of God for their own benefit, for their own gain, to even come against the church of the living God, the children of God. God will take their gain 
abundance, praise God, and he will supply our every need to bring about fulfilling our purpose if we will just continue to knock on the door, glory, knock on that door, praise God, of what right, rightfully belongs unto us. Thank you, Jesus. My God. <clears throat> to prove his commitment to Christianity, Gallaudet asked him to write the Lord's Prayer in Arabic for use in missionary work. Sorry complied. By the late 1820s, the abolitionist movement was picking up steam, and Sorry, whose tale was a powerful indictment of slavery, was beginning to stoke resentment among Southerners fighting to retain the practice. At the time, Andrew Jackson was preparing for the presidential bid against John Quincy Adams and used Sorry as a campaign tool, ridiculing Adams for his support. The slave owner, Foster, caught wind of Sorry's efforts to free his enslaved children and threatened to revoke Sorry's freedom. Marshuk, the reporter, not wanting to come down on the wrong side of power, turned his back on Sorry. Sorry's tale of Moroccan descent unraveled when he explained to Adams that it wasn't exactly where he wanted to return. Public support began to dry up, and after almost a year, Sorry had only half the funds needed to free his children. Once again, Sorry set sail across the Atlantic, this time joined by his wife and with the U.S. government footing the bill, desperately hoping their children would be able to follow. When he arrived in Monrovia, Liberia in March of 1829, the first thing he did was unroll his prayer mat and bow to the earth. Sick and weakened by the journey, Sorry would contract a fever four months later and die at the age of 67. He would never return to Fauta de Jayon, his native country, or see his children again. Years later, Gallaudet, who was the founder of the American School for Deaf, who asked Sorry to um, help him spread Christianity by writing the Lord's Prayer in Arabic, Gallaudet would find out that Sorry had not, in fact, written the Lord's Prayer when proving his commitment to Christianity. He instead copied the first chapter of the Quran. Sometimes history is not written by the victors. And that is the story of slave Prince Abdul Rahman Ibrahim Ibn Sori. It's an extraordinary story, again, about the African prince who was stolen from his kingdom. He ultimately was a Muslim, he was a Muslim slave. But he was black, and because he was black, and because they had no knowledge or did not care of his royalty, they made him a slave, just like any other black from the continent of Africa. So that concludes that story for this morning about that African prince. But what he did, and see, this is the important point that I want to make into this morning's lesson about open door, the open door, and that is Christ Jesus. 
all of mankind, every animal that even exists, every tree, every flower, every type of plant, even insects, they are using the power of God. There's only one power. There's only one creator and he created all things. And so because of that, we then get to choose how we are going to use the power of God. Are we going to use it to open doors of evil, open doors of vain imaginations, open doors of negativity? Or are we going to use it for, the, for good and for the glory and honor of God? Oh, this is our choice this morning, praise God. And as we stand at the door, realize we are using the power of God. We are not standing at that door alone. And we got to realize that we are that door. Realize that you stand at the door with God and Jesus, that you are one with them and that you are the door. You are the door to your healing. You are the door to your faith. It is only you. It is only. See, this is why I preach so much about the things that we think, the way that we feel, the persistence and the experiences that we can have, praise God, because it is real. I believe that the gospel truly changes our lives. But it changes our lives first on the inside. These doors are on the inside, praise God. But because they are on the inside, that's where we have the power of God to open those doors first on the inside. Now, you know what? I know this was somewhat of a very serious type of message this morning. But I remember when I was, I, I was reminded when, as I was putting this message together, of some of the things that I experienced as a child growing up in the 60s and the 70s, uh, because in the 80s I became a young adult. But in the 60s and the 70s, I was a young child, and what was really uh, a big part of growing up then was TV. And what was a lot of times seen on TV growing up as a child were game shows. Anybody remember watching game shows on TV? Yeah. Who remembers game shows like Let's Make a Deal? Okay, and you would watch Let's Make a Deal, and, and, and on Let's Make a Deal, they would give the different contestants a choice of door number one, door number two, or door number three. And they would get to choose, but they had an they had the instruction that they were going to choose, but then they also then had the authority to choose, but, and, but they were choosing based on what they wanted to experience. They wanted to experience the best door that there possibly was. What, they wanted the best prizes to be behind the door that they chose. Let's make a deal was so much fun, but sometimes they would get the wrong door. They would not get what they were wanting, what they were expecting, but it was their choice of that door. You know, and then there was another game show called The Price is Right, where you would have to guess the different prizes of different things. And sometimes the, the grand prize would be a combination of all of these different prizes together. And you'd have to now start calculating what you think this prize is worth, that prize is worth, this prize is worth. Put it all together. And then come up with the price that you thought it was right. 
And then based on whoever got the price the closest, they would win the grand prize, praise God. And, and that was another exciting game show. And people tuned in day after day after day. I was one of them. <laughs> day after day to watch these shows only wishing that you were one of the contestants, that I could be the one that was guessing, that I had an opportunity to win big, praise God. There was also game shows like the Gong Show. And that show was just a lot of fun seeing how silly some of the actors and everything could act on that show. And they would get gonged for different things. But they were so entertaining. Again, people opened doors to entertainment. Yes. To be entertained by the things that they choose. Name That Tune was another one of those game shows where you could win all kind of prizes and everything. And people would say, oh, I can name that tune in five notes. And then it would get keep going down, down, down where people could name a tune in, you know, a, a shorter amount of notes. And whoever could name the tune in the shortest amount of notes, they would win the grand prize. Again, these were doors that were being opened to people. Who remembers the dating game? The dating game was absolutely hilarious. Again, these were all game shows that were used to increase the ratings on the different networks that were available to us at those times. And they were very limited networks that were available to us. It wasn't like turning on TV today and, and having all of these different uh, providers that you could choose from all of these different movies and everything. It was a very limited amount of things, a very limited amount of doors that were open. And I tell you what, the only reason that there was this limited amount was because people really don't know God. People don't know God. So that's why they tune into the things of the world. And so the world then dictates what they can enjoy. But I tell you, when we begin to open the door, whoo, mm, Jesus Christ, there is unlimited experience of what we can enjoy in this life and the life to come. Praise God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. You know, with the seriousness of the message this morning, the seriousness of Black History Month, you know, it. I just wanted to throw in some things here this morning that were also uh, on a lighter note. These game shows really do help shape the society. They help shape society that we were living in. My wife and I watched a movie the other night. I don't even remember the title of the movie, but it was about this housewife, a true movie, where she used to enter all of these different contests. And I mean, unlimited. If there was a contest, she was entering it because there were prizes to be awarded. And she won so many prizes, it really supported her family all the many years because she was actually married to quite a loser. But he did have a job, but he was not a real good man. But she took care of him and she... Um, took care of her family, and she won all kind of prize money and all kind of appliances and everything for her home, and she was constantly entering these contests. 
You know, and this is the uh, society that helped shape America during some awful times as well. But people still can open doors when they use the power of God. And I'm telling you, church, that everybody is using the power of God, but they're not always using it to his glory and to his honor. But they can still benefit from it. And so because they are not giving him glory and honor, how much more is the father going to give good gifts unto us, his children, when we as parents can give good gifts unto our children? Way much more. He's going to open these doors, but our minds have to be open to believing that we are the ones standing at the door, that we are the ones that are opening the doors through the power of Christ. Some other game shows that we got to enjoy. Um, besides the dating game, there was Jeopardy. And the newlywed game used to really make me laugh as a kid because these newlyweds had no clue of really knowing one another. And it just went to show how important that it is that a husband and wife continue to grow together towards God both of them having God first. And as they move towards God, they move closer to one another and they begin to know one another a whole lot better. But in the, when people take their marriage vows, you know, and the Bible says they become one, it's going to take some time. It is going to take some experience, praise God. It is going to take some instruction. And you have the authority to open the doors that are going to then bring you closer together as you put the word of God in your lives and the, use the authority of God to decree the things that you want in your life. Another of these game shows was to tell the truth. And you know, this was, this was a game show that was really uh, interesting because people would just be telling all kinds of lies and then you'd have to guess which one of them were telling the truth. And uh, my son Isaiah, I think, would have been really, really good at this game. Really good. I mean, he probably could have won all kind of prize money. Praise God. And the other that I think uh, he would have been really good at is truth or consequence. Praise God. Because if we don't tell the truth, there are consequences in not telling the truth. Amen. See, I have to be aware of the consequences to myself if I don't tell the truth to those that God has called me to shepherd over. And if I don't tell the truth, I am going to suffer the consequences of that. If I do not reveal the things that God reveals to me, I will suffer the consequences of it. Praise God. Just as um, Jonah, who was called to preach to Nineveh, if he, he refused to go to Nineveh. He didn't want the, the Ninevites to experience the truth of God. And he will suffer the consequences of not doing what God has called him to do. And I would suffer the consequences of not doing what God has called me to do if I refuse. So I praise God this morning, you know, for the revelation of his message to me this morning. I, I thank him for, 
you know, enlightening me upon the history of the 40 years of slave, Abdulram Ibrahim Ibn Sari. And in conclusion this morning, again, it is the urge for what one thinks is behind the door. It is what going to cause that door to open to us. If we use the simple analogy of the urge, hunger, for food, which causes us to open the grocery store door. The simple urge for healing, which causes us to go to the doctor, which causes us then to open the door to the doctor. We can use those, that same analogy with anything that we are truly desiring. The uh, urge is a desire, and we can begin to decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. The light of God will shine upon the way, making it clear, so that the light will be a lamp unto our feet. The word of God truly is. So I close this morning with importunity. And persistence, importunity is persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. <laughs> you urged me on with untiring importunity. See, it was persistence, especially to the point of annoyance, that this 40 years a slave, sorry, his importunity caused him to knock at that door of freedom. In that example, you urged me on with untiring importunity, praise God. We have to have untiring importunity. And I close with these scriptures, which gives us an example of that untiring importunity from the word of God. In Luke chapter 11, we will find an example of this untiring importunity. And beginning with chapter 5, it says, and he, and he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? Now I stop right there because most of us are asleep at midnight, right? Yes. Okay. There's some of us night owls that are up still, but for the most part, I believe the uh, majority of us are already asleep come midnight. But here comes your friend, okay? Shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Talking about just lending him some bread. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. So the door is shut. The, the door to the bread is shut. But the friend at the door persists with importunity. Persistence to the point of annoyance. Now, if someone is at, if you got the bread, someone is still knocking at your door wanting the bread and now they 
seemingly are not gonna go away until they get the bread. What is the wisest thing for you to do? Give them the bread. <laughs> for your own sake, give them the bread. So why? You can go back and get the rest that you need. Verse 8 says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. I'm not going to give you three loaves. I'm going to give you five so you don't come back. <laughs> carry you over for a few nights. Don't you come back. Verse 9 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Let me just, I just want to focus there on verse 9. For everyone that asketh, receive it. Everybody. And there's people asking for all kind of stuff. Again, they are using the power of God wrongly. But they are going to get what they're asking for. If people are asking for hate, guess what they receive? Hate. If people are asking for depression, guess what they receive? Depression. If people are asking for salvation, guess what they receive? Salvation. <laughs> Amen. If people are asking for love, guess what they receive? Love. If people are asking for uh, finances, guess what they receive? Finances. Blessings. Amen. They will, but you may have to persist. You must present it with importunity. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Praise God. The word of God is real. The word of God is true. We need to use it the way God has designed it, us to use it. That is why we, we need to learn the how to. Yes, it's important that we know the word of God. It is important that we have the right instruction. But we got to realize that we have authority in the word of God. We can decree a, th a thing. And it shall be established unto us. And the light is going to shine upon the ways in order to get it. We got to get it the right way, church. We want to get it the right way. That's what I love about, you know, serving God. That's what I love about knowing God, understanding God, applying the wisdom of God. I want to do it the right way. And because God is teaching me how to do it the right way, he's teaching me to equip others on how to do it the right way. We have the authority. And then we get to experience Jesus fully. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How blessed are we? We know the door. Who is Christ Jesus? God bless you all. It has been a really pleasure in sharing the word of God with you this morning. I pray and that God will just continue to reveal unto you. That you are the door. Yes, you stand at the door. And you are with him. With God in Christ Jesus.
God bless you all. For those of you who would like to send an offering in, praise God, please follow the donation button and send an offering in to Moving River Ministries. We so much appreciate it. And those who feel more comfortable in mailing in a donation, we appreciate, you know, finding those letters in the mail slot and send it to Moving River Ministries at 453 South Main Street, Wilkes-Barre, 18701. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all of those that were with us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the offering. We thank you, Jesus, for blessing us to use what we receive with wisdom, helping to build the kingdom of heaven in us individually and increase the numbers of those that are being added to the church, oh God, through our testimonies, through our love, oh God, through them seeing, oh God, being spectators, but seeing and wanting, oh God, what is behind our doors, Jesus. We thank you this morning. We glorify you. It is our desire to honor you in all the things that we think, that we say, and that we do. And we thank you, Lord, for being with us, keeping us safe and secure from all hurt, harm, and danger, and just filling us, Lord, with more love and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, and blessing us to be temperate in all things, blessing us to be good stewards of all that you have given unto us. Bless us to be good givers as you are. Father, we thank you for these and all blessings in Jesus' name. We remain forever thankful. Amen. 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 God bless you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you in service in-house next Sunday. Praise God. And we will still be live streaming as well. God bless you all. Have a fantastic opening doors week. Amen.